month long, we've been talking about the things that we're thankful for. Because we're thankful, and then we've been dot, dot, dot. We talked about salvation. We've talked about the manifold blessings of God, His Spirit in our life, and and all the things He's given to us. And we've talked about some other things as well that we've talked about family, the gift of our jobs and our careers. And today, we're talking about I love my church because I am thankful I love my church. And uh, today and next Sunday, we're having a special offering that is a day of just giving unto the Lord through our local church. And uh, we'll end our service. I'm going to preach and share a message and then uh, we'll have our normal time that is for response at the altar, uh, invitation, and then we're going to just have a time that all that uh, we'll end our service with our offering today as we exit the building, and you can come by our Joash box chest here and uh, drop your offering in there. And again, if you're not prepared to do that today, you say, hey, we're doing that next week, uh, just come by and shake a hand. And if you're a guest, please just take that guest card if you would fill that out today and give it to me as you come by. I'm going to be over here by the chest as you're heading out, uh, just uh, wishing everyone a great Thanksgiving this week. But uh, I wanted to talk to you about several things. I want to show you something in just a moment. But uh, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Mark, chapter 12, and I'll get there in just a minute. But I wanted to share with you several things this month uh, You may remember when the month started of November, I asked you to make three commitments with me this month. And one of them is an ongoing commitment, and it's the one we're going to talk about a little bit today. But I asked that everybody would be praying for the oaks, that God would bless the oaks, that God would grow the oaks, that we all join in that single voice prayer. God bless the oaks, God grow the oaks. Join me in that. I need you to join me in that. I believe God meets us in prayer. I believe things happen because we pray. And I believe that that's a prayer that's honoring to God and it's a prayer that God wants to bless and grow the oaks. Don't you believe that? So join me in praying for that. Make that an everyday prayer as part of your cycle that you're praying for God to bless and for God to grow the oaks. We're all in this thing together, amen? And we want to see uh, the Lord bless his work here. Another thing we asked everybody to do this month, and uh, we have had some lean days of giving back in the summer. It kind of continued into the fall, and we're asking everybody to get on board and to be a tither, to give 10%. You saw our youth pastor give 100000 this morning, you know, right? Well, they backed it down to 10, 1100 uh, but anyway, we were just having a little fun with that, but we wanted to show you the online giving because so many of you, I, that's, that's the way we give. Uh, we do that. We, don't, we just don't hardly use any checks anymore, and that's the way we give ourselves. And uh, so we wanted to uh, just show you that if you're not aware of it. But we're asking everybody in the church to be a part of what God says he'll bless you. Test him, try him in this. I preached on that last Sunday, didn't I? and share with you about why I believe every Christian that's a part of the Oaks, I believe every Christian, period, should be a tither. And I believe they should tithe to their local church. And I share with you the why of that. God said, test me on this and see if I will not open up the floodgates and pour you out so much blessing you can't contain it. 
when God talks like that, I am the next person in line. I want to be blessed like that. I know you do too. And we talked about that. We're asking everybody to be committed. The things that we're dreaming about, the things we want to enact next year, we know the church is going to have to have more income to accomplish those things. So we want you to join in. We want to see the ministry expand. It's not time to go back and retreat. It's time to go forward and press on, isn't it? And join us in that. Uh, So we're asking you to make that commitment. That commitment's not just for November. That commitment is from here on. And then we asked you for a third commitment. It was a very temporary commitment, but Ken Freeman will be preaching here in my place two weeks from today. That's all, two weeks. Ken Freeman will be with us Sunday morning, Sunday night. We will be having everything else just kind of not going on that week, Uh, just church. And we will be having Ken here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And uh, the youth will be involved in some major stuff. They've got a they've got a retreat, a winter retreat with Ken, just the two days before the crusade. But this is about being real. And I want to tell you something. Ken is an anointed preacher of God. He really, really is. I've used him for over twenty years, and we have even seen as many as a hundred people come to Christ at the events we've had with him. I've had two occasions where I baptized over forty people. Forty exactly twice. Uh, the week or two after we had Ken. Wouldn't it be fun just to have a baptismal service and that's all we got to do? There's nothing else? We're like, see ya! That was it today, just baptisms. And I've had a couple of those and uh, he was involved in some of those. So anyway, it's going to be a great time in the Lord. If you've got somebody that doesn't know Christ or maybe they're just not in church, they're just you just don't know where they are, this would be an awesome time to get them here. And uh, he's fascinating to listen to. He really is. So work on that. December 2nd through the 5th, Ken Freeman will be here. Hey, come pray over your pastors today. I think this would be a great way to kick off some prayer focus over in the, uh, the area today over in the prayer room. Uh, I know I and Don and Bill are going to be uh, prayed over at 445 to 530. But Austin and Andrea and uh, Nathan will be there from 4 o'clock to 4.45. You want to bless somebody, go pray over them. You want to bless your church, pray over your pastors. Uh, I'm telling you, it, it's a, it'll be a blessing. But we'll be right there in the prayer room for about an hour and a half today. And if you can drop by, it's, it's post-ball game. It's perfect timing. And come and pray over us, all right? We would, we would, we would treasure that. In fact, the best thing you can do for me is always pray for me. The best. That's the best. Hey, join me in the scriptures today, and I want to share with you uh, a couple of things here today that just uh, I think you'll find interesting. How does the average American spend their money? Their money. How do they do that? Well, this they put this thing out every year. But if you would, pull that uh, slide up, the expenditures of the average American by type. So I've got a little uh, pie chart here for you, and you'll see that 41% goes towards housing. You'll see some of them that are saying uh, that it's as low as uh, eh, 30, 33%, but uh, 41% housing, transportation, 16%, food, 
The third highest expense in the American house home, the average house home, is food. We're eating a lot. It costs a lot to eat, doesn't it? And uh, it just costs a lot, 16%, uh, or I'm sorry, 14%. Health care, number four on the list. And you'll see that it's at 8%. That's high, isn't it? That's a high uh, expense for health care. 7% for utilities. Entertainment comes in at 5%. And here's where church giving or nonprofit gifts come in. It is simply put in miscellaneous at 4% along with several other things. So that uh, used to be a category by itself, not so anymore uh, with the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the chart that they do annually. Clothing is at 3% and education is at 2%. If you go to a private college, which some some of our students do, I have on a DB shirt today. I got this shirt from Ryan Jesperson. I want everybody here to know that. Ryan said, Barry, do not tell. You know, I've got ties at the Oaks. And if they see I gave you a shirt, you know what they're going to do. That shirt in the, in, the, in, the, in the bookstore costs $70. He said, I know you're a fan of those Columbia-type shirts. You wear those a lot. So I got you one. But don't tell them that it came from me. So I told him, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up in front of the church when I put my shirt on, and I'm going to tell them all where I got my shirt. So all of you should see Brian, uh, 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 Ryan Jesperson and get you a shirt too, okay? All right? We're, we'll, uh, we'll have him uh, just be a part of that. I want you to tell him I said that in church, okay? It's going to bless him big time, and it's part of my thank you, all right? And uh, anyway, uh, I, got a, I, I, I thought it was so funny. It's like, don't, don't tell them where you got it. Let me tell you, this is something that's sad and hilarious. Over 900 Americans each week injure themselves on their jewelry. No joke. Injury to the point that they went to an ER or some type of emergency event or a clinic or to the doctor's office. Over 900 Americans injure themselves on their jewelry. You can figure that one out. Uh, A famous comedian says this line all the time. You've heard him say it. He said, if money talks, all it ever says to me is goodbye. And maybe you feel like that about money, but you know, Jesus talked about money a lot in Scripture. And I want to share with you some of the things that he said. Now, I'd like to read this passage because it's a fascinating passage. Stand with me for a minute. It's just three or four verses. But I want you to look at Matthew, I mean, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 44. And here's what it says. He says, Jesus sat down in the opposite, opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth a few cents. Calling his disciples, he said to them, Jesus said, I te- truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put every, in everything all she had to live on. Father, bless the reading of your word and now the sharing through preaching. I pray that we would hear you with a heart 
that is just um, really willing to listen. And Father, I pray that we would be obedient, even with what you give to us, that we would turn around and learn that the greatest thing we can do is learn to be givers and to manage the monies that you do give to us and manage them well. We are stewards. Help us to handle it in a way it's pleasing to you. And We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. I got to do one more thing before I share God's word with you this morning, and that's this. All right. Everybody looking at me, eyeball, 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 eyeball. I want to look at you right in the eye, and I want you to say something with me. All right. Pastor Barry. All right. Say that. Pastor Barry. Now, here's the part. You got to follow me with this and say it right after me. You ready? You ready? I am so excited that you're telling me about what Jesus says about money. Now smile, look at your neighbor, and say, really, really? Okay. Some of you did not participate. I know, you know, there's this crazy thing that goes on, and when pastors like myself talk about money, people have some strange reactions. But see, money is just a gift from God. He owns it all. Everything you've got, you got from Him. And you're saying, yeah, but you've been talking about this for a week or two. I'm like, yeah, because Thanksgiving, we're talking about this subject matter of all the things we're thankful for. And this week and next week, we're having that special offering here at our church to bless our church. And so that we can do more in days ahead and not less in days ahead. Amen? And I want you to be excited about these principles. Now, this one's a little scary. I'm going to warn you up ahead of time. All right? We're going to look at something Jesus does, and it's a little bit scary because it's a shake-up. Check this out. If you look at the passage, and here's what's going on. It was on a Sabbath day, so this was a a Saturday of worship uh, in the Jewish system of worship, and they were getting ready to take the... They were in the court of, of women where they would have this offering, and they would take this offering, and Jesus positions himself where he actually gets where he can see everybody responding to the offering. Now, that's interesting. I wonder if Jesus, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit still watch what we do with our offerings. I wonder if they watch what we do with our money. Hmm. Well, you'll see where I'm going with that in a moment. It's a little scary. It really is. But these offering bowls, there were 17, I mean, I'm sorry, 13 uh, trumpet-shaped receptacles for the offering. Each receptacle or offering bowl was labeled for different offerings. There were six of them that were labeled for free will offerings, young bird offerings. There were new uh, shekels due. There were old shekels due. There was gold, frankincense, and also wood for the mercy seat. And the Pharisees were given these seats of honor where they were very visible to all. And they were dressed in their beautiful robes, and they were many of them gave big sums of money. And in fact, they, we know that they tithed because the Bible tells us they did so. But they did it in a, in a way that everybody would see them and had their place of honor. But in comes this little lady, and she's a widow lady. So she's probably very restricted in what she has financially, And she comes in, and the Greek word here in the Bible, in the Greek New Testament, is the term lepta. It's L-E-P-T-A. 
It has to do with this coin that we got called the widow's mite. And I wish I, we have just moved. And I wish I could have brought my widow's mite to you or even put them on the screen. But I could not find them this week. If you've ever moved, you know how that is. It's in a box somewhere. And we have not discovered where my coin collection is yet. It's somewhere uh, in a box somewhere. But I couldn't find it this week or I would have shared it with you. But they are itty-bitty, I mean about the size of your fingernail. And then just, a, it's kind of a little bit of a thick coin, but they're itty-bitty coins. They're kind of like our pennies. They're just not worth much. But she put these two coins in, and Jesus pulls his disciples aside and says, don't get enamored with the people that gave big offerings. That little lady, that little widow lady that put in, her two mites, she put in more than everybody because it was all she had and it was what she was dependent to live on. Now, do you think God took care of her and her need? I do. I believe he took care of her. But she gave her all, and she was the one Jesus noticed and took note of more than anybody. So if you're here today, you need to understand this principle. It's not how much you have to give, it's that you're simply obedient to give. God really, it's not the, the amount, because we all give proportionately to what income we have. You are to just be faithful to what God's given to you and to give of that. Now, I want you to see something with me in the scripture passage. It was Winston Churchill during World War II that made a very interesting statement. Here's what he said. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. That's a great statement. Probably somebody said it before he did, but he got credit for it. And it's just a great statement. It is. It's a great statement. We make a life by what we give. We really do. Listen to this passage, and it gives us some revelation about Jesus and this offering. It's a very interesting thing to look and read, and it's a little bit spooky. Listen to this. Jesus knows what you do with your money. And I'm purposely saying your money. I don't believe that for a moment that it's your money. But I do believe he gave it to you and you are a steward of what he gives to you. It's his money. And it's what you do with it and how you, how, what's, what kind of steward are you? How do you go about doing what you do with it? But Jesus knows what you do with your money. Did you know that? Jesus knows what you do with your money. He does. Listen to the scripture. In verse 41, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put in and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Notice the language is not offering here, but it's treasure. It's the treasury. Is it the church's treasury? Is it Israel's treasury? Or is it your treasure because you're laying up treasure in the kingdom of heaven? Well, I think there's some truth in all of that, isn't there? Listen to this. He says, many rich people threw in large amounts. So Jesus, in the Greek text, it's this word that means that he's looking, and it's kind of like when we look and maybe squint a little bit. We're looking, and we're looking intently. We're looking and in this particular word, the word for look means to look and to look with great understanding. That Jesus is perceiving what's going on completely. Isn't that amazing? Says, Does Jesus watch my offerings today? 
The answer to, the, to that question would be yes. Does Jesus watch what I do with my time and my life? And the answer to that is emphatically yes. Does God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, are they, and he's living in us, amen? He's taking up residence in you if you're the, a child of God. Is he watching and observing and aware of what you do? In fact, beyond that, God says he knows every single word that we say and every idle word, and the Bible says he knows your thoughts. So not only does he see what you do, he knows you beyond that. I never will forget when I was pastoring uh, in Kentucky and I uh, had gone to visit a church member that had uh, had some illness in his family and he had been sick too. And I went by to see him and he was actually doing much better. He was on top of his house. And uh, there was a ladder on his house and he was up on top of it and he had stripped the, the roof of the shingles and he was re-roofing his house or at least a section of it. And uh, I got over to the ladder and started to go up the ladder, and all of a sudden I hear my church member, and I won't say his name because I just won't do that since messages are online and people hear such things. And no, I know who you're talking about. Uh, I don't, I, uh, I'll just simply say this. This particular guy hit his thumb with the hammer, and a wordy dirt came out. I mean, it was a wordy dirt. Yes, it was. And he went, oh! And I hesitated for a moment. I thought, well, <laughs> do I just go on up now or do I wait a minute? So I waited, I waited about two minutes or so, and then I went on up the ladder, and I yelled out his name, and I said, hey, came to see you. He said, hey, pastor, good to see you. And he just, he's always a high-energy guy. And then he said, how long have you been here? He said, did you hear my wordy dirt? I said, I heard your wordy dirt. He said, I don't talk like that very often, but you know what? I, I hit my thumb and it slipped out. And I said, oh, man, I, I know. but I, And I, I say this to everybody. I used to have people say this all the time. Oh, I'm sorry I said that in front of you, Pastor. Like I've never heard a wordy dirt. I don't like to hear wordy dirts, but I hear them. They're everywhere, aren't they? And I used to use wordy dirts. I told you my story of how I got cured from that. And I haven't cursed out loud for many, many years. I said out loud. I've had, had the thought come in my mind. I have. Honest. Okay? Hey, I have had people tell me that all these years, just like that particular fellow. And I said, you know what? I don't mind a bit. You need to realize God hears everything you say. I don't want you to say things, but realize God hears everything you say. Do you live your life aware that God sees, hears everything? I don't think we do because we probably wouldn't do some of the things we do. But that's true about giving, but it's true about every aspect of life. Let me give you some verification in Scripture. It's all over the place. Jesus, you may remember, he used this same ability with the woman at the well that he talked about that came at the odd time of, of day, the Samaritan woman that he had to go through there, he told his disciples, and he revealed to her that she had five husbands, right? She was a woman that had a poor reputation, that's why she was there at that time. You may remember, you remember this one? A little guy named Zacchaeus that was up in a tree, 
and Jesus calls him by name. He comes visiting and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house to eat today. Well, who was Zacchaeus? He was what? He was a tax collector, wasn't he? He's a tax collector. Do we like tax collecting today? Do we all have jokes about the IRS? If you've ever gotten a letter from the IRS, it's a sobering letter, isn't it? Just to see IRS. It's a little intimidating to get those. And I've gotten a few through the years. And I want to tell you something. Those that, you know, the feelings we have about the IRS and about taxes today and is and in that day it was a dirty deal because they got the taxes and then the money they got above that was their income. And so they cheated a lot of folks. Remember what Zacchaeus said after he was converted and came to Christ and was a follower of Jesus Christ? You remember what he said in the process? He said that he was going to restore. Do you remember how many times? Yeah, if you go to uh, Luke chapter 19, you read that story later today, all right? And you'll see that he restored uh, unto those that he had stolen from. So he's admitting that he was dirty and he's willing to repent and turn away from his sin. Think about others. I always think about that little song Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the to see what he could. I'm just having fun. <laughs> that song, every time I hear Zacchaeus, I'm like, no, no, no. This song starts up. Think about the tell, foretelling of Judas. He knew. He knew, didn't he? Jesus knows our hearts. God the Father knows our hearts. The Spirit knows. You remember he tells about Judas and his betrayal. He tells about Peter. He tells about the rest of the disciples that they will all betray him and scatter Peter's like, oh, no, 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 I won't, Lord. I'll die for you. And then he tells him about denying him three times. You remember that? He's, he knows. He just knows. The Lord sees all we do. In the book of John, in fact, it's in the f- first letter to John. Uh, John writes in 1 John chapter 3, I should say, verse 20, he, it's, that you'll find this statement. He knows everything. He knows everything. God knows everything. God sees it all, knows it all, and knows the intents and motives of our heart. And that's humbling, isn't it? In the book of Psalms, Warren Wisby says God sees more than the God sees more than portion, he also sees the proportion. Proportion. Men what is given, but God sees what is left. The psalmist writes this the he- from heaven. Uh, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind, his dwelling place. He watches all who live on earth. He has formed the hearts of all. He considers everything they do. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch over the wicked and the good. So here's another principle for you. God knows what you do with your money. But here's the big bombshell. God knows, Jesus knows what you do with your money, and why you do what you do with your money. Whoa. I said your money, I'm being facetious, it really is. But he lets you keep some in this life, doesn't he? And he has you take that money and you decide what you do with it. And there's going to be fixed expenditures in your budget. Whether you have a budget or not, you have a budget, right? 
and you've got these fixed expenditures, and that's what it's going to cost for you to live and do the things that you do and work where you work and drive a car and do all those things and have a house or an apartment, whatever you have. It's going to cost those fixed things. Food's going to cost so much. And just like your time, if you work, you're going to have a very limited amount of time that you can do what you choose to do with that. The same thing is true with money. Unless you just learn to save, 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 or God's really blessed you, blessed you, blessed you, in this arena of life, you will have a certain amount of money that you will be able to control of what you do and how you spend that. That's just the way it is in all of our lives. Even if we get really simple in our lives, you're still going to have a small portion that you're able to control. But here's what the scriptures reveal. Jesus knows why you do what you do with your time, your energy, your life, and yes, your money. Look at this passage. This is, it's a little bit haunting, isn't it? To think about the Lord knows, knows it all. You say, well, why live a life? Because you're a free moral agent. And you get to live it the way he allows you to live that life, doesn't he? he he's watching, but you are living that in the liberty that he's given to you. Listen to verse 42. It says, but a poor widow came along with two very small copper coins with, with, worth only a few cents, calling his disciples. He says, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more in the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. Let me share with you, there are several motives that are not good motives for giving. And people do this all the time. You should not give because of the tax reduction our nation offers us because you give and you can take that as a deduction. Now, why I say that, let me say something else. I take every deduction I possibly can. Why? Because that's the law. And I obey the law and I give my portion of tax but I take every deduction Kim and I are faithful to keep receipts have those pile up at the end of the year we uh, have a housing allowance because it's one of the few things that a pastor can put money in and have that be a, a deduction for him because see I by the government standard I am I am a self-employed person but I'm also a employee of the church don't ask me anymore. It's very complicated. Believe me, I've lived with it for years. I'm self-employed, but I'm also an employee of the church, and so is every other pastor. Uh, we can, uh, that's, my la- that's my big deduction is my housing allowance. That's, that's why we will put money over there, and if we can't use it at the end of the year, guess what happens? That's taxable income. So if we can't justify all of it with receipts, then we take that money and that's taxed and we have to pay for that. Uh, But I encourage you to take tax reductions because of tax deductions, I should say, because of your giving, because it's the law. But it shouldn't be your motive of giving. Your motive for giving should be something much more pure, much higher than that. So watch that. Also, don't be giving to be seen by others. Wrong motive. Read the early part of Matthew chapter 6 and you'll see some instruction about that. Giving out of guilt. Wrong motive. I don't want to guilt you into giving even on this special day offering. I don't want to guilt you into giving. I want you to give because you've obeyed the Lord in giving. 
That's what I want to see you do. Giving because you were asked to. Well, if God calls you to give, that's a good response. But that's not a, that's not a pure motive if just because you were asked, you do it. But God says sometimes we have not because we ask not, right? Uh, another motive. Uh, because everyone else is giving. I want to use the line that my mother used with me. And by the way, my mother is here today. And uh, I got my height from my mother, if you've seen that yet. Uh, she, uh, uh, she is, but I remember, and your mother said this too. I know she did. When you said that you did this because everybody else is doing it. And what was her response to you? It's an, it's an instant motherhood thing. It's going to happen. They're going to say it to you, right? What was it? If everybody walks off a cliff, are you going to follow them? Anybody else heard your mother say that? All right, look, it's, this, is the, this is the decision time of the service right there, all right? Yeah, sure she did. It's like a universal thing that moms do, don't they? I don't remember my dad ever using that line on me, but I remember my mom using it. Well, if they, if they go walking off a cliff, you're going to follow them? And in West Virginia and Kentucky, where we lived and grew up most of our lives, there are lots of hills and lots of cliffs, so there's a very visual image of that when they say that. But everyone else doing it is not reason enough. It should be that God prompts you in your heart out of a grateful individual for what God has done and given to you and out of gratitude and out of a heart of worship you give to the Lord. Look at this little lady's motive. Larry Burkett said this years ago before he passed on. He says, focusing on material things is the greatest danger we, have, we face. He's talking about American uh, culture. He says, what makes it so seem so normal today is virtually everyone in America is doing it. Doing what? They're so focused on material wealth. Listen, I've done mission trip after mission trip after mission trip. And I love to see young people go and see life and see people happy without having stuff. I think it just blows their mind. Oh, so you don't have to have this certain house or this certain car or this certain clothes or this certain status or this certain economic level to be happy. Right. Got it. Check. You can be happy with next to nothing if you've got the Lord. You really can't. Listen to this. There is a right motive for giving, and here's what it is. We find it from this dear lady. Here's what it says. It says, truly, Jesus says, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than any other. They, she's, they've given out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put everything she had to live on into the treasury. Did God take care of her? Do we know the answer to that? I think in our heart of hearts, we do know the answer to that. He did take care of her, didn't he? But did he, she gave more than everybody out of a heart of gratitude, out of a heart of pure worship. Her worship expression was, God, you've given me so much, I give this all back to you. Did God take care of that widow? I think we're going to see reruns in the kingdom of heaven in our full knowledge. It might even be on video cameras. Who knows? You know, on, on video. 
and you get to see how these stories played out, or you get to see these, or you get to just meet the person in, in life. Isn't that incredible? And we'll know the full stories of, of these people. And uh, he tells us that wonderful thing in Scripture. I, I just want to end with this little ditty about a missionary gift. There was a missionary that came to the United States. She was from India. She spoke. This little girl's heart was just torn about the people not knowing Jesus. And she, she had a couple, couple pennies, that's all she had, in her little, little, her little purse. And this was years and years ago. She, she gave those to the missionary. And the missionary kept that separately because it was from that little girl. She felt like it was a fishing lad, a fish, a fish and bread story, like the little lad in Scripture that did that for Jesus. He kept, she kept it separate. She went back and she bought a little pack of, of tracks, just, I mean, just like 10 of them. A little pack of tracks with those couple of pennies because she could buy that then. And she had her husband, the other missionary, give one of those tracks to a chief of a village up in the hills up at the border of Nepal and gave that track. And that chief came, it read it in his own language, came to Christ, and then he pronounced to the entire village that he was a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, within the next few months, all 1,500 of the dwellers of that village gave their heart to Christ. So a little girl's track, a little girl's couple of pennies, a little widow's mite was multiplied and repeated and given, and it brought a whole village to Christ, 1,500 people. Isn't that amazing? Who knows what story continues from that? You never know. Don't say your gifts not doesn't count. It's not, it's not worth anything. Let's bow our heads. Father, in this service, we are ending our service today with a special time of offering. In a few moments before, after we finish the invitation, we're going to be moving in over here to the Joash chest. And Father, we're receiving offerings today for our budget. And Lord, just to be a church that's going to be able to do more in days ahead than we've done in days behind. And Father, I pray that you'd make it so. We just need to have greater support to do the things that we're dreaming of and we're we're envisioning doing this next year. And so, Father, I pray that even today we would have an outpouring of, uh, of great giving, Lord, in our church. And we ask that uh, someone here before this time that we have this invitation, they might give their heart to Christ this day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.